Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, Danielle Girard, and today's guest is Karen Rose. Karen is the award-winning number one international best-selling author of more than 25 novels, including the best-selling Baltimore and Cincinnati series. She has been translated into 23 languages, and her books have been on the New York Times, the Sunday Times in the UK, and the Germany's, oh, I'm going to mess that up, Der Spiegel <laughs> bestsellers Spiegel. list. Der Spiegel. Thank Spiegel. you. Uh, we'll see, you're going to, my German is not going to pass today's test, but a lot of bestsellers list and one of them is in Germany. Thank you for joining <laughs> us and welcome, Karen. Good morning and thank you. So this, um, Karen's latest book, Cold-Blooded Liar, is a thrill. I literally, I was up, if you can see with some bags under my eyes, too late, a couple of nights to finish this off and it's fabulous. So please, Karen, tell our listeners about Cold-Blooded Liar. Okay, well, normally the way, and because it, it's a little bit of a departure on on my my normal writing, um, norm, and I will continue doing this. But I have uh, it, my for the last twenty years, and that my twentieth anniversary is coming up this summer for my Congratul first. Congratulations! Thank you. I was like, wow, I know. But how is that possible when you were still thirty? I don't I understand. Know, yeah. <laughs> oh, just, but um. Uh, the, the, the way I've normally put together books is there's a, a, a community of either uh, family, friends, coworkers in a particular city. And I kind of go through all their stories and then I move on to the next city. And, uh, right for right now, for example, I'm doing a series in New Orleans, um, self-promo paperback just came out last week. Beautiful. Good night. Yeah. And this is book one of my New Orleans series and that will continue, but, um, I have gotten more productive. Um, largely because I haven't traveled anywhere in the last couple Right. Of years. Nobody right. has, right. Who knew I could be more productive? Uh, um, so I thought, you know, I really want to try something different in addition to what I do. So this is all incremental. So if you've loved the books that are set around families and in certain cities, that's not going to stop. It's going to keep on going. This is extra. Yes. And so this oh, is nice. a series um, and it's set in San sunny San Diego. And uh, the in the way that it the, the first way that it's different is that um, the the two characters Kit and Sam Kit is a homicide detective Sam is a criminal psychologist um, they will be the characters in every book so it's going to be like an ongoing series with them so there um, there's romance um, a lot you know death of course um, and all the you know all of the 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 mystery around that but the um, the, the, the romance is more of a slow burn because we're going to get many, many books, you know, to, to, you know, kind of work our way up to that. And I really hope that you like it, but again, we're going to have this series and we're going to continue to have the city oriented series. Right. Cause people love your Baltimore and your Cincinnati series. So they will be happy to know you're doing that. You're continuing that with new Orleans, but let's talk about this departure because I was, I'm happy to hear that there's, um, romance because I'm, I'm really rooting for um, these two uh, uh, at the end of the book. I'm like, okay, wait, where's the rat? Where's the next part? Where, when do I get to read more? So um, tell us the setup of the book, if you will, because it's really, it's, it's, a, it's fascinating and 
um, and so clever and really compulsive. So Kit is a homicide detective and um, she is, she comes from a large foster family that factor into all of the stories. And I really fell in love with her, her foster parents, Harlan and Betsy McKittrick. They're great yeah. people. And, um, and just real quickly, uh, Kit's origin story is the prologue. So it's not a, a big giveaway, but her choice to become a detective stems from the murder of one of her foster sisters who yeah. she considered to be her real sister, even though they shared no blood when they were 15 years old. And yeah. so this is, this homicide career has been basically all she's ever wanted to do. So she's in exactly in the place where she wants to be. Um, and she's, she's a bit of an overachiever, of course, and she works really hard and, you know, she's uh, so that, and that's going to be, again, part of, part of her growth is, is, is balance is we're, we're all looking for. Sam is a psychologist and there's the, most people know the difference between psychiatrists and psychologists. The primary one is that psychiatrists go to med school and can prescribe medication. Psychologists yeah. are, are, are more in the, 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 the talking therapy kind of, 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 of work. And, but another difference is psychologists aren't protected by client confidentiality, patient yeah. confidentiality. And, but they can be, they can be asked in court to divulge things that they've heard in session and they can't do it. Now, my husband was, uh, he was a mental health therapist studying to be a psychologist way back in the day. This is my early writing days when I was writing all by myself and nobody knew. And uh, <laughs> times he we all have those, right? Yeah. Or, or my, my other life. Um, and there was a, and there were times when he would go to court and would be asked, you know, share this or share that. And you have to say, I can't do that. He could lose his license or he could be held um, liable in civil court for, for, so, so they're not given the same protections. So I thought, what if, I mean, what if somebody came to a psychologist and said, I committed a murder, what would happen? Well, what happens is the psychologist can't tell anyone. They cannot tell anyone unless there's a clear and present danger to a, a living person. Or, or if juveniles are involved, that's another kind of a, a not a, yeah. loophole, but a, a requirement. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, so what if you had this really good person, Sam, Sam is a really good person. Oh my God. I love Sam. I want to date Sam. <laughs> you know, Sam is just like, he's a really good person. Yeah. He has this client who comes to him, who's a pathological liar. Now he's right. come to Sam for anger management because he's basically nearly put his neighbor in the hospital for challenging one of his bald face lies. And uh, um, he doesn't know what to do, you know, because all of a sudden in the midst of this guy's lies, there are kernels of truth right. and he doesn't know what's what. So what do I do? And, he, you know, he agonizes over that. And, um, and, and most, a lot of this is on the back cover copy, so I'm not divulging anything, but he makes an anonymous phone call. You know, because he, he he knows, he believes there's a murder and he believes there's enough, somebody else in danger. But again, he's having trouble separating truth from lies, but he figures if the murder, if there's a dead body where he believes there's a murder, right? then he's like, okay, then the rest of this stuff is true. Other than, you know, I just had tea with the queen and right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, as he has some, yeah. Right? that guy's uh, got some humdingers. He tells some, some real, he does. He does. And, uh, 
Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's really, it's a conflict for him. And so yeah. how he resolves the conflict, how Kit takes him seriously and right. goes about solving this murder, they find out that there's a serial killer on the loose in San Diego has been operating for years and lot like 20 years right. oh so and with sam, sam yeah, is that they have to work together they have to well they don't have to work together they end up working together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well sam and sam has, gets he gets kind of in trouble sam gets i mean because you know of course the police locate the the person who made the phone call and then you know and so which makes it so interesting is what I, and i love this of course because it's such inherent conflict is that they really have the same goal in mind of course but kit you know the detective can't exactly trust i mean he very well in her mind could be the killer right so um anyway but the other thing you do so beautifully is that the whole host of characters it's you know it's kit and her her partner baz who and they have worked together you know he actually worked the you know, the case where her sister was killed. So he's been around a really long time and he's her partner. And then the scene, the senior Navarro and then the supporting cast um, around them and her the sort of people that come in. And then also on Sam's side, this, you know, the attorney who he dated and his best friend. I mean, there's so many, but it's so, it's what's so lovely about actually both Kit and Sam and, and, and they're very different characters, of course. And yet they have this core trauma, both of them, right? Really. Um, and this core sort of really sort of tenderheartedness in jobs where it's sort of important to be able to separate yourself from, yeah. you know, the situations which are so brutal and ugly. And yet then they do that, but sort of, to you know, a little to mixed um, oh. success, right? Which is, I think, you know, so hard for them but for a reader it's so because of course all of us would feel you know we always think I, I think it'd be the hardest job ever to be a police officer because you know you're looking you see these horrible things and then you have to go home and look at your own family and think that kid that died was the same age as you know I mean that's just it seems impossible and you do such a beautiful job of you know humanizing them and and still making them and kids know pushover she's not like you know they're these are strong strong people so and I love I love your strong women including uh Sam's you know boss um who's also you know these are these are so anyway all the characters I love your characters and I think for me the 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 propulsion of the plot which is so well done and so twisty turny but also those characters the combination of that just makes for such a a satisfying read so that is so fun so okay so this is obviously book one and I figured I knew from the end that if you didn't write another book I was going to show up at your door um, and be like wait a minute don't I just finished the second one so okay that's exciting so we will see that when uh in a year Mark. so this okay. one comes at the end of February it'll be February okay perfect 2024 oh my lord yes I know that seems impossible so tell me so I was wondering because you know those two the sort of two main characters who as you said are Kit and Sam uh, and they both feel to me sort of very full you know fully formed did, did, does one of them come to you first and you sort of develop so can you tell us about that your process for that and well it's interesting I, I have a writing a group of writing friends and I brainstorm with them and I really had Sam's character fleshed out more at the beginning. I knew who Kit was. I knew she was a homicide detective. And um, so when I, and I, it, Sam's conflict, initial conflict is really the core of the story. 
And my husband was a mental health therapist and he and I had been batting this idea back and forth on on one of our many car rides. This was, uh, um, this was like a a 10 hour car ride and about halfway into it, I'm like, you know, I have this idea. And so we talked about it and he goes, well, this would have to happen and this would have to happen. And then I went off and researched the rest of it. But um, the, uh, the, the, when I sat down to brainstorm plot ideas with my group, one of them said very quietly, well, what about Kit? What's she doing here? I was like, oh, I forgot about Kit. I'm yeah. like, well, you know, she's a, oh. And so then, you know, Kit's, I, I kind of opened my mind and then poof, it all kind of yeah. you know, rushing in. And, you know, and every so often, if you've written, you know, a couple books, you know that sometimes they just flow like water. Right. And sometimes it's like, you know, dental surgery <laughs> right <laughs> so um, true this one flowed like water it just when I got started writing it was it was just really a joy and I knew how it, I knew I knew who the bad guy was I knew how it was going to end but I didn't know how it was going to happen mm-hmm. and so that was really a joy just kind of getting through and was like oh that's how that works Okay. So a lot of times you got stuff kicking around in your subconscious. You don't know how it's all going to come together. And even now I, I, I freak out, you know, I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do now? I'm off right. my outline. And you just kind of have to trust your own brain sometimes. So you do. And I let, I also always know who the bad guy is. I feel like if I, I think people, there are people out there who like write and, and try to figure it out in the way. And I think if I, if I did that, I'd be like, everybody's bad Every, or nobody's right. bad. Right. I have no end. Um, so you do outline. Talk talk about that because of course there's so many different ways that writer that we do this this thing and create these books. So what is your process? You know, you have an idea and then how does it work? Well, I, I've gotten myself into a pattern and it works for me. Um I I hate every some people love the beginnings of books. I don't like the beginnings of books. Because, well, there's just so many ways. I, I get, I get uh, anxiety at the beginning, you know, looking at that blank page and there's so many ways it could go. What right. if I pick the wrong way? And then I'm going right. to start all over again, which has right. opened to me one and a half times, you know, out of, you know, almost 30 books. So, um, but it's a real, it's a real fear. And so what I started to do was then I would start with the character profiles and yeah. I start with, um, I'm getting to the outline in a minute. I start with the hero, the heroine, the bad guy. You know, who are they? What's their basic background? Mm-hmm. Um, who are their family, their friends, their coworkers? And I kind of build their little world. And as I'm building their world, the details of the story are starting to kind of come together in my head. So by the time I get to the end, I've already actually already started telling the story within their character profiles. Right. And then then I start writing, you know, the the when I start writing the outline, the proposal, um, a lot of the beginning is already there. And so I used to, I used to really work hard at the proposal. And then I realized once I get the beginning and I get the end, the middle is going to change as I write. So I don't spend so much time on the middle of the outline anymore. You know, I'll put in there, I I know like a couple high points, if I know the high points and then Mm -hmm. I'll say, and then a lot of people die and they (laughs) have a happily ever after, you know, and, uh, nobody has smacked me for that yet so <laughs> no I think that makes sense I mean because I actually think it's a it's a little unrealistic I mean unless you're somebody who outlines like l- to the 
I don't know how people would do that, but it, it the middle is changed because the middle, you know, as you as the people emerge on the page, you're like, oh, this person is actually got something interesting that we could pursue. And I think that's another thing that this book does really beautifully is that there's moments where almost a lot of those characters are momentarily suspicious, right? I mean, there were there's a lot of people in the book that I was like, ooh could be that person you know so I mean I think because of you know when you have a well-drawn and but big cast and you're trying to figure out sort of the motivation and also the fact that somebody's been at work for 20 years it gives you kind of narrows down you know as we know from statistics serial killers are almost always male and you know so there's all these and then this serial killers were at work for 20 years which means they have to be at least kind of 35. So it's all these, you know, it's all these fun things to kind of help the reader guess. And that's, I mean, that's, I think, why, why readers read suspense, right? We're, we're in it to sort of as a game to kind of figure out if we can figure it out first, which I did not. <laughs> I did not figure it out. But I know, which yeah. is so fun, to, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty good at the game, but um, I did not figure it out. So, um, but um, I, I... Can I interject yeah. something on that point? Because oh. you said that aspiring writers were listening. Um, when I first started writing, and this was way back in the nineties and I wrote for myself, I wrote for fun because I was traveling and there weren't enough books. I couldn't have fit enough books in my luggage and there were no eBooks back then. So I started writing and eventually I sold my, I, I, I got an agent, but that book was not a, was not a romantic suspense. It was more of a women's fiction with an element of suspense. And it was that agent back then, my very first agent, who said, you have a suspenseful voice. Have you ever considered writing suspense? And I was like, no, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I was an engineer. I'll see. I'll, oh, wow. you know, I'll, I'll try it. I'll see what it takes. And so what I did, because um, I'd watched a lot of Law & Order by that point, and I kind of <laughs> had the pacing down. But um, the, the, the thing that I, I thought was, which thriller author surprised me? Because like you... I'm good at the game. I can right. name a thriller in two scenes, you know? Uh, right. And it's it's a game. And I rem I went back to, the, it was a Tammy Hogue book. And I went, I, I said, well, she surprised, I got to the end and it was kind of like Sixth Sense where it's like, couldn't have been him. He did. And then I went back and I looked and I was like, yeah, she, she, she I mean, she just laid it out really well. And, and, and it was all there. And so what I did was I read her book backwards, chapter by chapter. I wanted to see how she was lying, laying out the clues that I had so clearly missed. And why did I miss them? And what I realized was the clues were there in plain sight, but I was so engrossed in the story, I forgot to look. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it comes down to engrossing the reader, capturing your reader's attention with the characters. And they get so and grow so wrapped up in the characters and you know what's going to happen next right. that they forget to look for the bad guy and you know Michael Connolly is amazing at that yeah you know, and, and and when I, I I started reading his books I actually started listening to them on audio and you can't go to the end of the book and see you, mm -hmm. you might be tempted but you can't because it's an audio book and you just have to kind of listen as it goes and I would get to the end and I'm like, oh yeah. And then he always says his little twist, you know, at the end where it's not right, like, right. And yeah, uh, you think it's this, and then you're right. And then there's the final exactly. final. And then you find there's the final final. But um again, I was so engrossed in the character of Harry Bosch mm -hmm. and basically mentally warning every woman away from Harry Bosch because you know, 
she's either going to die, she's going to go insane, or she's going to go to prison. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. I, but I forgot to look. And so yeah. again, capturing your reader's attention with the characters that they care about. Yeah. You know, that they're yeah. real people and that they care about. Well, I think it's a really good point. Like, you know, two aspiring authors. And I actually, Tammy Hogue was one of my sort of first role models too. I do think she was, uh, she did a, does an amazing job of, of, you know, putting things out there. And there's one moment that in your book too, where there's just one line. And when I thought back, I was like, oh, look at that right there. You know, but a gloss over line, like, you know, not not something that anyone is going to go back to, but so cleverly done in hindsight um, or in my hindsight. Um, but I think that's an interesting thing. So you listen to it backwards. I sometimes would, um, when I early, you know, learning to write, create sort of a spreadsheet of like, you know, the, the chapters of another author and then kind of what the reveals were that led us to, as a way of sort of figuring out how, like you said, dissecting it. And you're, you know, I'm, I'm in, I was in finance and you're an engineer. So our minds might sort of work a certain yeah. way to sort of pull something apart and understand it. But I do think that's hugely helpful, you know, when you're trying to figure out how to make a book work. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, I actually did get to make meet Tammy Hogue once. This is many years ago. And I told her, we're standing like at a coffee station and I told her this story and she, and she laughed. She goes, well, if you figure out how I did it, let me know, because I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. She laughed. Well, I think but, um, one of, of the other things that I do, that's kind of engineering, but think about um, is when I, like I said, sometimes I, I, I get, well, every book, I get freaked out when I realize I'm off my original outline. Yeah. You know, the, the, the book has taken me to a different place, but I know how I need it to end. So I know where I am. I'm supposed to be doing this, but now I'm down here and I still have to get, you know, right. So what I, what I started, what I did the first time, and I think this was probably with book five or six, just a cheap, you know, 50 cent thing of post-it notes. Mm -hmm. And I would write, they catch the killer. I put it down for that to happen. This has to happen. And so you're talking about pulling things apart and mm -hmm. kind of pull it apart from the end. And then I work my way back to where I got stuck. And then I've got a whole book, you know? So then the last third of the book, I sit down and I write it until all the post-it notes are done. I love that. And so when it's, it's a general post, it's a sort of general post-it note, but because all you need is sort of the kernel of the scene right? What has to happen in that one scene, what piece of evidence they have to discover. And the rest of it just comes as you're working, right? You're not going to prescribe yourself. This is the way that has to happen because then you sort of tamp the, the, the flow of it. And the, um, the, that, yeah, that makes so much sense to me now. Um, you know, now, so now that you're writing, sounds like two books a year. Um, how do you structure your, you know, your, I mean, and of course we all know that when you're, you're right now, you're going to about to do, you know, all the, exciting you know pub day launch and interviews and all that stuff for for you know this fabulous book but you're also writing I'm sure one more book and maybe a second book so how do you sort of structure your 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 days do you write certain times how does that work I write at night oh I my actually, interesting I think better when it's dark and I have more energy when it's dark. I have a, I have a, I have a physical disability that sun, heat and sunshine just make me super tired. Got and it. But it's not quite chronic fatigue, but you know, as I get older, yeah. it, it, like, so 
for me, when the sun goes down, then it's time, you know, that's when it's time to go to work. So I do a lot of the interviews and things like that during, you know, during my daytime hours. And then um, I might start work at, depending on when it gets dark, you know, the, the really long nights, the really, you know, again, the winter when the nights are longer, I get a whole lot more done. Um, but yeah, the, 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 uh, it, it's, I, I had never written this quickly before. So now yeah. I'm with, okay, so now you've got to, you've got to write the book and then the book you wrote, you have to revise. And then the book you wrote before that is, it comes back for page proofs, you know, so for the, for the proofreading. And so you're constantly juggling, okay, now which book is this? Right. And, um, you know, so it's, 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 it, it requires, it's going to, re it has been requiring more mental partitioning of my yeah. time can't just kind of flow into it. But normally what I'll do is, you know, I can write a book pretty quickly when I get started. I think I wrote, I wrote a cold-blooded liar in about four weeks. Oh my gosh. Wow. That is so impressive. So you, you, when you, when you say you work at, when it gets dark, you start at whatever. Now it's dark at like five 30 and then you work until in the middle of the night. Yeah, sometimes I'll start at 10, you know, I, I, that's kind of that 530 to 10 time is I spend that with my husband. Yeah, um, both night owls. So but I'm more of a night owl. So he'll he might, you know, head to bed, two or three in the morning, and I'm up until dawn. And then I, you know, I tiptoe into bed. And yeah, you know, like, that is so you so you, I, 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 this is like, <laughs> I've done like 50 interviews. Karen, and I th you're the first person to tell me that you you're the vampire writer. You just I am the vampire writer. <laughs> All right, <laughs> joke about That's that your... at home. I don't that like sunlight. Your... I don't like garlic. <laughs> that is so funny. That is wow. Okay, so you, I mean, interesting. And it just you just your brain works better. And also, it's quiet. Are you probably not getting a lot of emails at that time? Nobody's calling you, right? It tends to be kind of a, a sacred time. Do you have a um? you know, do you sort of set yourself up in a, is there a specific space? Do you like candles? How does that work? Well, not candles. Cause I would forget about them and set my house on fire. So <laughs> there are certain things I'm not allowed to do because I'm very, yeah. I'm very, I'm very distractible. Um, I'm not allowed to make popcorn in the microwave. <laughs> That's hilarious. We'll do 16 things when the two minutes is, is popping. And then there's a disaster. The house smells like burned popcorn for three days. Right. Um, so I'm forbidden. From Pop and Martin's like, if you want it, I will make it for you. Otherwise, I love that. Have this bag of pre popped popcorn. Um, but I love uh, that. Um, I, the um, oh, now I've forgotten your question because I like me, I, I went off on a tangent. You said no candles, but you said you have, you oh, have oh, a setup gosh, of how no you candles. I have no candles. You know what I music. Um, I can't you. write anywhere. I have a friend, um, who a, a male friend, and I'm not sure if this is a having been through, um, you know, menopause thing or not, but he, I can't do what he can do. He can, and I used to be able to, he can sit down in a living room filled with people all having conversations and immediately drop down and start writing. Uh -huh. I watched him do it. And I'm like, are you writing right now? And he was like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. When I was younger, I used to be able to sit in an airport and just, I could write literally anywhere Right. as I get older. And again, you're dealing with, you're, you're dealing with your own, your own body that sometimes right. you hate you. And, <laughs> right. you know, you're like, okay, so now I have to, now I have to get a, a more structured routine. I can't just drop into it. So I, I use music and, um, a, 
Unfortunately for anyone who isn't within listening, I try to do this either while I'm way, way by myself or use headphones, but I'll, I'll find a song that has a certain cadence um, for this book, for the one I just finished for quarter to midnight. I think it was Rainbow Connection. It only made my daughter angry because I would listen to Rainbow Connection over and over and over again. And it then becomes just background noise. But it's like, you used Kermit to kill people? Yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I, I totally did. For the one I just finished, it was Goodbye Girl by David Gates, you know? And it okay. just has that real, it's just kind of, and, and I listen and listen and listen. And then you condition your mind. So once I hear that music, oh, now I'm ready to work. That is so interesting. The same song. The, the same song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my, my Spotify year in review is always really interesting. You know, <laughs> these three songs over and over again. Right. 10,000 times. That's so interesting. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and so when you're writing, um, you know, once you kind of know where you're going, I know you, you're fleshing out the characters and sort of that's building your beginning. Um, are you somebody who sort of, you're not, are you writing, you're not letting yourself edit until sort of later, or do you pick up the next day and kind of reread what you've written, you know, what works for you in terms of um, that process? Okay, so I've, I've tried a lot of different ways. The way I'm, I'm currently doing it, and I do edit as I go, but what I've started doing, and I've been doing this for probably about five years now, is just keeping a, a, a like another page open. And for a long time, I did it in Word. And we're in a where I'm like, okay, this has to change. So I'd either make a, a track, use track changes to say, this has to change or insert this as an earlier scene so to make to make this work or if I forget something oh um so and so did something and I just mm -hmm. make a comment to myself now I use Scrivener mm -hmm. still use the comments in Scrivener but because it's all in one place I yeah. can keep that that list of ongoing edits so then I'll go back at the end and add all the edits in unless of course I get to a point and this doesn't happen. Luckily it doesn't happen very often where you get to a point where like, Oh no, I really messed up. I have to go back and change a bunch of stuff. I have to fix it before I can go on kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. That is seen a couple of times. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I have to imagine a lot of writers, I use Scrivener as well. And I have to imagine a lot of aspiring writers use Scrivener, but t can you tell people about that? Like what, you know, what you like about it, why you chose it? Well, first of all, I started using it out of desperation because my books are now cold blood liar isn't as long but my books are generally very long yeah. and when you get to a certain point in word it gets very buggy and mm -hmm. you know for example you get i think you get past 150,000 words and the grammar function turns off which is fine because it's it it's annoying anyways right. you know people don't talk like that thank you very much go away or if right. there's a, you know word word is very judgy some of your readers may object to this language i'm like <laughs> That is so interesting. You might you must have a a more conservative version of word. Mine's never told me that. <laughs> I knew another author who said that word. Shut it like, off. Word is really judgy. Scrivener is not judgy, no. um, and it's also very stable. I've never had it crash on me, but word would crash. And after losing your day's work a couple of times, you're just like, I'm done with this. And I do save often, but I write fast when I'm in the zone. I write fast, and I'm not remembering to save, you know, every 10 right. minutes. And, and sometimes it wouldn't auto save. And I'm like, where did all this stuff go? Yeah. And has never crashed on me. So I used it out of desperation to beginning, but then I really started liking how I could keep the notes. So like, there's a whole area for notes. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really no different from word and that other than you can keep everything in one place. It's just a more organized 
file. Before, before Scrivener, I had like, I don't know, 20, 30 different um, word things like, oh, this was this interview. This was that interview. This is, these were all the things I need to fix. These are the people in the story. These are the places in the story. With Scrivener, I can keep it all in, I can keep, these are the people I've killed in this story. Right. And, and when you have a high body count, you got to keep track of all of that stuff. So the uh, Scrivener has an area for notes and, you know, and I'll have, oh, I talked to, I have a doctor friend who helps me with all the medical stuff in my book. Sure. Interview with him on this date. I have a cop friend, interview with her on this date. Right. And um, the, the, I can keep all of that in one place. I can keep that, that stuff, I call it stuff to add, you know, it's like yeah. very stuff to add all in one place. I keep track of you know, who drives what car? Cause sometimes that's important, you know, in, in a, in a clue and right. Really- Which it, it was in this book for sure. Yeah. You know, if you've like, if you've got, you've got to keep track of where everything happens. So, you know, right. how long it takes to get from A to B and, and what's a reasonable, you know, the way to, 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 to pace the scene. I like Scrivener cause you can keep it all in one place. And I started writing each file as a scene. Yeah, I do that too. And I love that too. Cause then you can, if you, you literally drag and drop, right. If you're like that scene belongs before, instead of the cut and paste function and trying to figure out if you actually did that correctly in word, you just pull it up and move it around. And I love the research function cause you can actually grab a website and just drag the website right into um, the sort of research and you just, you know, and then you can click on it and you can go right back um, I don't use no. that. I need to start using that. It's so I lovely. File file folder on my browser, and I like your way better. Yeah, and it's nice because all you do is pick that little sort of the little you know icon at the left hand side of the website and drag it right into research. And so I do something like where I I always try to I use an um a list of fallen soldiers from Afghanistan and Iraq to find character names because it's such a you know it's such a there's so many different types of names in those lists of course and i just put that right in the research so i can click on it and search through the you know pages of names when i'm looking for uh, a different you know new character name because otherwise my character names i'm like john mary like you know, i just can never think of a, a new name but that is really useful too it has a lot of really good functions and um and it compiles easily you know you, if you want to yes. make a, a word document out of it it's really it's really super friendly so um so you were an engineer so you were writing and working full time well, for fun, I wrote and worked. For, well, I was an engineer and I traveled a lot internationally. Yeah. And I, there was no television because it was all in different languages that I didn't speak. And I told the story once to a library in South Africa. And the lady on the front row said, I would have just gone to the bar, which never <laughs> even occurred to me because I'm such a, I, I really, I'm anxious in lots, you know, in big, mm-hmm. big noisy groups of people make me anxious. I'm like, I would not have even considered that. So I'm stuck in my room and I'm writing and it was for fun. And I yeah. think looking back, I think that that was a benefit to me because it did, there was not the pressure on me that I see a lot of new writers have right, because I right. did it for fun. Nobody was ever going to read it. It was just for me. It was kind of like, what are they going to do next today? And it became a hobby. Yeah. Uh, it was a hobby for about five years. My husband said, and this, by this point, you know, I'm traveling all over the world. And my husband said, um, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. Why don't you do something with it? And he had gone to the, we lived in Cincinnati at the time. And he went and had gone to the half price bookstore and he comes home with it. I still have the book. I keep it for sentimental reasons. It's called how to market your romance novel. And it has, you know, a 
Victorian couple on the on the cover, and uh, looks totally self done. And it was it had a lot of good stuff in it. So I'm like the engineer. I made a spreadsheet. I you know I what do I do? What do I do? And I did every every step. And eventually through that process, it's so much different now. But I ended up yeah. with an agent, and I'm like, yeah, this is something. I went to my first writing conference, and I thought this is something. I think I want to do. So I finished that first book. Actually, I wrote my first book five times. Wow. It wasn't even my first book. It was, it was the first books were the ones I wrote for fun. The one yeah. I first, when I realized this is something I, I might want to do. That first book I wrote five different times and that was my learning book. So don't be discouraged. You know, if it yeah. doesn't gel for you, but you love the characters in it. I mean, it's your book. You can right. do do what you want to with it and just keep working on it and be patient and don't give up, I guess is the, the raw, raw right there, but it was true for me. And I, I actually love the idea too, that there is something, I mean, I think, you know, people think, oh, I'll write a book and make a million dollars or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, the thing about writing, I mean, I think you can do a lot of jobs to, to make, you know, to make money, right. Engineering finance. I mean, I think you can show up and, you know, do your best and and earn a decent salary or, you know, a big salary or whatever. But I think to be a successful writer, it's so much more than that, right? You have to have this, it has to sort of be a passion that you can't ignore. And so the idea that you really are, and especially in the beginning, but I think through the whole, our whole careers, you are writing for yourself. Exactly. First, right. Exactly. You got to, so yeah. Well, I lost that. I, I didn't lose the engineering job. I, I left. And and one of the reasons we left had to do with my husband and his mental health therapy job because one of his clients tried to kill him. Um, oh, so that, that, that took me, I think that was, took me 14 or 15 books. No, 16 or 17 books before I finally, it was the first book of my Cincinnati series where I finally took, was able to take that experience and put it in a book. It was so dramatic for all of us. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we left Cincinnati because of that. Yeah. Um, because the, 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 the guy was very threatening. You got 30 days for arson and attempted murder and mm -hmm. 30 days and, uh, you know, and he was very threatening as they drag him off to prison. So we left Cincinnati. I got another job. And then 9-11 happened. The economy did up and I was laid off. And then I'm okay. So at, at that point, I think I was 35, 36, 37, somewhere in that area, not quite 40. And I'm like, what do I do with my life? You know, right. jobs in my field, I had a very, I was very specialized at that point. Like, okay, now what do I do? Right. And you're, you feel like, you know, I'm not even 40 and my job is not obsolete, but really are defined now. And so I, I went into business for myself. I'm still writing. I'd sold my first book right before I got laid off, like a month before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, okay, I'll write the second book. And then in the second book, this is like, you know, fiction becoming true. My heroine had been a chemist and left her field again because of something that happened and to her and became a school teacher. And I'm like, I always wanted to be a school teacher. And so I, 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 I was a school teacher for a bunch of years and I continued writing full time until I was able, and with being, unfortunately, this is the truth, being a school teacher in Florida, you don't make that much money. Right. So by the time or anywhere, I, no, no school anywhere. teachers make enough money. Right. I know. And so by the time I could make enough, like if I could write one more 
one half of one more book a year, mm-hmm. I could make as much as being a teen. That's when I left teaching and, and wrote full time. But yeah, I wrote full time for gosh, a, a bunch of years. You know, my first six books, I think was my seventh book. Was you worked. Book. Yeah. You worked full time while you were writing for those years and you yes. had, uh, you had a daughter also. I mean, right. I mean, yeah, two kids. I mean, and that is, that was, that's very similar to me. I, I worked in finance and um, wrote in the evenings after the kids were in bed. I mean, I sometimes look back at my now, you know, 50 plus year old self and think, how the fuck did I do that? My God, it was so, I could never, I mean, I can't even imagine how we did it, but I think it goes to that passion, right? It goes to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot more decent ways to make a living than, than putting the gamble and the time into the, this writing career. But when you love it, right. When you love it as much as you love it, you just, you can't let go. You got to do it. Right. I think we've all had the people that come like the family member who will come and say, you know, that looks pretty easy. I've got a two week vacation coming up. Maybe I'll write a book. (laughs) And then I'll be like, (laughs) you do Me too. I'm like, write a book. I love that. You tell, I tell my husband, you should write a book, babe, write a book. I'd love to read it. I mean, I think that is, that's right. I mean, it looks very, it looks very glamorous um, until you see, uh, you know, that we are in our pajamas, you know, all day. And it's, and you said, I mean, you're really, you have very prolific. It sounds like you're really good at being very prolific, you know, with your words, but there have to be days too, when you sit there and sort of, you think that, you know, nothing happens and you're like, oh my God, what happened? I mean, I, I, I'm about to start on my 30th book. That's and, amazing. I mean, and I know friends who've written 60, 80, a hundred books and I'm like, right. mine are long. So I with my friends. That's right. Let's do, let's talk about page count. Uh, then we can compare pages no but of course everybody does it differently and your books are and they're very substantial you know there are a lot of things going on there's a lot of twists this is not and I'm not diminishing the the books that are you know the sort of the sweeter shorter um those are hard to write yeah I know I'm a I run long too my my hat goes off to someone who can pull together a tight concise book in a few pages it's it's really a gift I agree. I agree. But I, but, you know, but there's so much good digging, you know, into character here. But then going back to the 30 books, I have, there's a period with the exception of, I mean, Cold-Blooded Liar, like I said, it was one of the gifts that flew like, you know, just like with water. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many where I'm like, how did I ever think I can make a living doing this? I can't mm-hmm. write anymore. They're, you know, um, it's either too many people talking on my head or they they've all gone on strike and they don't want to say anything to me and and I can't figure out what to do next or the words simply won't come. There's a lot of days like that and you just have to push through it. I mean, yeah. it's a it's 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 part of the job. And writing is a job. It's a it's a job for which you have a passion. And for those of us lucky enough to do it, it's it's a wonderful job. I mean, I can't think of a job where you influence and can touch so many lives of people you've never met and probably will never meet. Right. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And hearing from readers, you know, I, I still, I cherish all of those, those, those messages. Like, you know, the, 
the, the abused wives who have escaped their husbands. And, you know, I've read your book and, you know, that was me, you know, and they, they, you get these wonderful messages and it's, that is a beautiful thing, but there are also days where you're just like, I never want to do this again. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, I think it's a normal, it's a normal human thing. We're still human. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It, it is difficult, but you just have to push through it and you can, you can push through it. And one more point that nobody really talks about, again, for all of you as aspiring writers or struggling writers out there who are women of a certain age, <laughs> the difference it does. The first time I kind of got that, I don't know if, I don't know how many people experience it, but I used to get these mind wipes where yeah, everything totally. went quiet. It's terrifying. When you've had people, you know, it, it sounds like we're crazy, but when you've had, you know, characters chattering in your head all this time, and then it goes quiet. And it's just, it's just white noise in your yeah. head. That's yeah. scary. So I had yeah. a mentor at the time and she was really one, she's a wonderful woman. And I called her in a panic and she said, well, first of all, calm down. How old are you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> told her, she was, okay. This is what you need to do. And she said, it will come back. It will come back differently, but it will come back. And she was absolutely right. So you, you also have to be flexible to, the needs of, you know, of your changing body, your changing brain, yeah. Yeah. the change society around you. And you just have to be flexible enough to get through that. Like the, the palm tree in a hurricane is the one tree that, you know, it, because it bends, mm-hmm. it doesn't crack. And you yeah. just have to have that kind of flexibility. And I think that it, it changes anyway. I mean, I know for sure it feels different, you know, as we get older, but I think it's, you know, you kind of expect, it's like, it's not like making a widget where every time you start, you're like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. This will work exactly the same way the last 10 did. It is sort of, and I think, you know, I talked to Sandra um, Brown, who was so, she's so lovely, but she was so candid about the fact that every time she starts a new book, she she's just, it feels this incredible fear that she won't be able to do it. That she's like, I don't know how I did this the last, you know, whatever, 87 times. And I have no idea how I'm going to do it again. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that is so interesting and so true as well. Yeah. And hearing that for me, I mean, I'm like, oh, okay. Somebody else, I'm not alone. You're not alone, you know? And, and, and it's such an, we're such a solitary, it's such an isolated kind of career. It's easy to feel like you're all alone and nobody else has this problem. But when the big girls like Sandra Brown have the problem, you know, it's, a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something you can say, okay, I'm going to cut myself some slack. I'm going to take a yeah. deep breath and yeah. I'm going to come back at this again tomorrow. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a better day. And you right. just like, you have to, you have to push through that and realize that again, it always comes back to the, the characters. You're writing the story because you fell in love with the characters. So when you find yourself in that deep well of, I can't do this anymore, you step back and say, why did I love to do this to begin with? Right. These two people, and I want them to have a happy ending. And by goodness, they are going to have a happy ending no matter what it takes. And it's a good point because I think when you're stuck, like sometimes if you're stuck on a plot point too, we're so used to thinking about it like, well, this has to happen and this we have to get to. But it almost, I think sometimes backing up and being getting back into sort of the character part, you know, what is she feeling, thinking, reacting? Um, and, and walking away 
you know, in doing something, I don't know about you, but if I do something physical, like, you know, I weed the garden or I fold laundry or do dishes or something that doesn't require my brain, those are moments sometimes when I'm like, I'm just sort of like having a conversation with this character who it seems like she's not really obeying me, but of course that's never how it works anyway. And find I find like she says, well, I have to do this thing. And then I'm like, of course you have to do that thing. So then it, you know, you sort of solve the, the plot problem is less a plot problem than me not understanding the character. Exactly. That happens a lot. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, and then angels sing and right. <laughs> until the next time you hit a snag, you know, and it just yeah. over and over again. But, you know, as writers, we have, I think, I think we're very hard on ourselves and I think we need to, you know, me included. And I, I have a husband who's like, this happened in the last book. It did. It did. You know, and he's like, oh, okay. right 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 yeah that that blinking cursor for me how did I ever do this before and it's like well you know okay so I've got a character who's I don't know uh, a doctor what I know about being a doctor how did I ever think I could write a book about a doctor I have a lot of self-doubt and again you I always that's why I start with those character profiles because I get to know the people and then once I get to know the people I lose myself in the people and I forget I'm I forget, I forget to be afraid. And you also forget that they're coming from you. It's like suddenly you're having a conversation with somebody else and you're like, oh, you're so, this person's so smart and so interesting. And I'm, all I'm doing is listening to them, you know, and, and not acknowledging that the them is also me, you know, that it's all sort of coming from the same place. But I think there's something to the fear. Like, and I think and this is why I think I appreciated hearing it from from Sandra and from you know people like you who are you know so successful is that I think it makes us good. Like I mm-hmm. think if we weren't afraid, if we were just like, hey, I got this, you know, then I don't think the books would be as good as they are. I think we have to have the fear because it drives us to work harder and be better. Well, I think that's true. I wish it weren't, but I think I know. Right? We're really kind of like to not have to have the fear, but thanks. Right. Yeah. Thanks for all that anxiety, yeah. damn it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, and will, then- it will work. And and sometimes it works better than other times. And again, flexibility and it's both cutting yourself some slack and putting your putting your posterior section in the chair every day. I mean, that's or not every day. I don't write every day. But you know, the when but, you when but, yeah, but as often as you can. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing you've talked a lot about, which we, I think we have to acknowledge is those right, is those community, right? I mean, husbands are fabulous. Children are fabulous. Um, but the community of people who do what you do every day, who know what it's like to be stuck, to be scared, you know, to have, to get rejections and, you know, all of those things. Those are the people that say, oh, come on, you know, Karen, you, you can, you know how to do this. This is just a blip you know, and help you find your way back because it is so solitary and you can't really write, you can't really write. I mean, people write, I know, you know, they collaborate on books, but when you're actually writing, you're, you, you are on your own. You really are. I have a very good friend who is, you know, cause I'll be, Oh, this is, this book has got me stuck and I don't know what to do next. And she'll say, well, then call me and talk it out. And um, you know, I, I know she's playing solitaire on the other end. I know she is, but she goes, mm-hmm, and which is fine, you know, because all I need is, I, I don't really talk to myself, but if I'm talking to another person, 
Right. Um, I get energy from that. I'm like, oh, well, this could happen. And this, could oh, and now this has to happen. And, and she'll, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she'll I love it. She's like your backboard. You're not, even, she's not doing right. And that's exactly what you need. I, I completely understand that. And, and sometimes I have, you know, you have a, I'll have a friend who's not a writer who'll just, who'll try to interject and be like, well, what about this? But really what you need is just to have somebody who's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, cause you're, it's you having, it's you figuring it out because yeah. you know, it's, it's you, it's all you, it's all you. Yeah, it really is. is. It is all you, but you draw from so many people. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, uh, uh, and I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the people around me. It's, it's, it's you know, you, I, I, I often think, could I do it on my own? Probably. Yeah. But could I do it as, well on my own or will it would it be easier on my own i don't i don't think so so and i draw energy from people when i was working in corporate america i i would i found that i got my best work done when i was i mean i would just get out of you know i would i was staring at something at my desk and like i can't think about this anymore i get up and i go talk to somebody and we'd figure it out you know yeah it would be it would be that collaboration that mental collaboration so Find somebody in your life that you trust who will support you perfectly. Because you, you always have people too that'll say, either they try to make it their own book if they're yeah. a writer. And I think I'm guilty of that. I have a friend who writes comedy. And I'm like, and then they could discover a dead body. And she's like, <laughs> this is my book, not yours. This is a right. comedy. No dead, right. no dead bodies. Sorry, sorry. Right. But find somebody who is is supportive and truly supportive, and sometimes we'll do mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's what you need. Yeah, I think that is such good advice. All of that is such good advice. Well, the, okay, so this is so exciting. So we have this book, and it is coming out February. Tell me again, I can't remember now. February twenty eighth in the U.S. and that's a really beautiful cover. I think it's a fabulous cover. I love this cover. I'm getting a glare on it, but it is so gorgeous. It looks like, it looks like a, a beach cocktail. It, it does. It looks it, like a beautiful beach cocktail, but it's not a beautiful beach cocktail. It's got that, that dark red in the middle, which you know is trouble. Um, and then my dog is snoring. I don't know if you can hear. Um, so, okay. So you have this one coming out in February and, and this podcast will launch right in, in um, it'll come out the Thursday after this book is out. So it'll be right here. Um, so super excited. And then I'll, everyone will get the chance to um, listen to you talk right after they've bought the book, but tell me, um, then you have another book and another, a new new Orleans book also coming out this year. Yeah. My okay. second New Orleans book comes out in probably August or usually August okay. book. And that's okay. called, I think I, I think I can say what it's called now it's called beneath dark waters. And uh, it's the same group of private investigators in New Orleans, um, Broussard, Burke, Burke Broussard's investigation. So it's another I one of, of his people. Yeah. And, I, and I've kind of fallen in love with that whole crew as well. And Isn't that more- fun when you love them? It's fun when you love them. That's, that's why I love a series is because you just get to go home a little bit to the people that you, you know, you, you do adore. Well, I'm su- super impressed that you're on to two books a year. I'm going to grow up to be like you, I hope. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, this is a, such a fabulous book and um, Cold-Blooded Liar. And actually we will offer a um, free copy of this. Somebody will win a copy of this when the um, podcast airs and I will be in touch with your publisher about getting me a, a final, final copy for the giveaway. We'll publicize it everywhere. 
Taryn, so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing um, all your wisdom and um, and your stories and and helping us, um, you know, who are aspiring and struggling and, and reminding us that it's this is all just part of the process. And you're so good at what you do. Thank you. And I've just been blessed because there were a lot of people who gave me a hand up and who still do, who still do you know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the, the author community um, yes. kind of pay it forward. So if anything I've said today helps, I'm glad. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I have to imagine it helped me. I love to hear these stories and, you know, I'm 17 books in, so you'd think I would know enough, but it never hurts to hear it. I really appreciate it. So um, everybody joining us today, this was Killer Women Podcast with Karen Rose, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye.